0: better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Hi folks, this is Jack Speargo with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough or even if they don't. Today is December 18th, 2013, and this is episode. 1,269 of the Survival Podcast. Uh, Today you're going to have just me. I'm going to talk to you about something you may or may not know and you may or may not want to hear. You are your own solution. I'm going to talk today about some of the misguided beliefs that we'll just fix government and it'll all be okay and why this is not political, what I'm going to tell you today, why it's the furthest thing from political it could ever be. It's anti-political and why it's important to you that you understand it For your own sake, regardless of what you believe about politics or who you would support for office or what law you think we should or should not have. And if you give me a chance today, I'll make a good case to you for why this is important and why it matters to you and why it matters a hell of a lot more than whatever you're going to hear on MSN News tomorrow. Before we do that, let's take care of our sponsor. Sponsor of the day, number one today, Fortress Defense Consultants. One of the things I'm going to tell you today is you are responsible for your own self-defense and protection and safety. You really are. And in this country, you have one advantage that many people do not have in other parts of the world. And that is in most places, it is completely legal and legally protected for you to carry a weapon, to have a gun. And even where it's not, it's almost everywhere that it's legal for you to have one in your home and know how to use it and be able to defend yourself and your family with it. That's part of being responsible for your own safety. But a gun and ammo alone are not what you need. You also need the training to know when to act, how to act, and what to do, and how to train yourself so that you're always highly trained. People believe that they'll default to their highest level of training in a crisis. The truth is you'll probably default to your lowest level of training. Whatever you're extremely proficient at, that's how far down you'll fall down the ladder when you need it. That means you need to be training and proving your training all the time. If you go to Fortress Defense Consultants, not only will they give you great training, but they'll teach you how to train so that you can continue to train after you return home. Check them out today, FortressDefense.com. Next up today, Jam Bullion. Hey, if you're looking for silver, especially silver, eagles, generic silver rounds, pre-64, or gold, check out Jam Bullion, the best pricing I could find from any major supplier on the market where I could actually talk to the president. I had a couple people this last couple weeks that had orders kind of delayed from J.M., and uh, it was nothing but the weather. Just nothing but the weather causing these problems. Nothing. I mean, there was a couple days where uh, the uh, president, Michael, just had people not show up for work. Just don't come in. It's not worth it. Um, and they got backlogged because of it. And they got caught up. But I had two different people email me and go, hey, I haven't heard back. And I emailed Michael, the president over there, and those people were taken care of within hours. Um that's what I was looking for when I brought somebody on like Jam Bullion. That's what I found. And better pricing than Monix or AppMix. Check them out today, jambullion.com. And again, if you are uh if you're gonna place an order more than three hundred dollars, uh there's a discount. And if you go over 1000 dollars in your order to JM, there's another discount. So there's discounts for you in the MSB. If you're an MSB member, on that note, if you are not an MSB member, you missed the December sale, but it's still a great time to join. Uh $50 a year or five bucks a month, your choice. Uh you can help support the show. It comes out if you do the yearly at about 18.3 cents an episode. Discounts to over forty-five supporting vendors on things you're probably buying throughout the year anyway. A program that pays for itself almost two hundred dollars worth of free ebooks the day you join. Two discount memberships that you get for free that are double the cost when you add them together of the entire MSB. And if you're military law enforcement, Peace Corps active duty or prior service. Uh, you can get an additional discount. Just email me with service discount in the subject line. And in one or two sentences, tell me who you are and what you're doing or who you are and what you did. And uh, if you're prior service, and I will get you a discount code and thank you for your service. Email to reach me for that or any other needs. Jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Um, let's take a look at our... Uh, at our uh, history segment, I'm just going to read you what I have from Alex here. Alex has been sending me stuff, and uh, I'm not even going to go into Wikipedia today. Here's what he has for us. The year is 1269. Medieval navigation is at hand. Peter the Pilgrim of Maricourt, a French scholar, writes a letter to his neighbor outlining his experiments with magnets and the designs for a compass and universal astrolabe. Modern Navigation will have to wait for the Sextant in 1757 and for Great Britain to run a contest for the most reliable Mariner's Clock. The winner will be John Harrison in 1765, making Modern Navigation possible. Golly, I didn't have a son when I left. Venice merchant Niccolo Paolo returns from his visit with Kublai Khan to find his wife dead and a son he never knew. Marco Paolo is 15 years old and will accompany his father in his travels. The red badge of courage and yellow. King Louis the ninth of France returns, requires all Jews to wear a red or yellow badge or pay a fine. The badge is a circle of cloth and was first introduced by Muslims around the year seven twenty to mark Christians and Jews. The yellow badge will be used to mark all Jews in Nazi Germany. A lot of times we think things are new, they're not new. Uh, my take, you, you may ignore this completely. Now, Alex, I'm going to read your take today because you're doing a great job for me with this. Um, "Magnets and Compass, an excellent book describing the longitude contest and the importance of the compass and the astrolobe sextant and especially the need for an accurate Mariner's clock is Longitude, the true story of, the, of a lone genius who solved the greatest scientific problem of his time by Davis Sobel. Isaac Newton said such a clock could never be developed. Newton died before he was proven wrong by John Harrison, an excellent story, highly recommended. So Isaac Newton, really the father of modern physics, said it was impossible to build an accurate Mariner's clock. Remember that the next time somebody tells you something's impossible, folks. I have that discussion with Steve Harris from time to time about what isn't possible. Because I think Steve is too much of a pessimist on certain things. It's not possible. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. But I didn't have a son when I left. It looks as if Niccolo's wife was pregnant when he left. It looks as if. So there's at least a possibility Marco Polo wasn't really Apollo. Possible? I don't know. The red badge of carriage and yellow. The world can be a nasty place, as still is. Christians are being massacred in Egypt. Yet I don't see Christians mobilizing to help their own. Odd, but maybe this is the way of a herd. When one of a herd is picked off, the rest of the herd huddles close and runs away. If you're caught out in the open... Uh, don't expect your neighbors automatically run to help you. You will need to be organized ahead of time. Um, that would be really, really, really perfect for today's show. That last little piece there. Don't expect your neighbors automatically run and help you. You will need to be organized ahead of time. Um, I didn't plan it that way. Actually, I didn't even read Alex's email till right now. I just knew that they're good and I knew I could count on it. Um, But wow, what an introduction into today's show. You you can't rely on people to run in and help you. And in this case, I'm really talking mostly about government, but yeah, about everybody else too, to a degree. The, The first thing I want to start out with today is the biggest problem I see in prepping is that most preppers are preparing for a disaster. Preparing for one day when a disaster strikes. I don't think that's in of a problem of itself, but it's the complete and total ignoring of the disaster that you're sitting in right now. Many of the things that we're dealing with today were foretold 10 years, 20 years ago, that this would be the way things are. And this is what I'm talking about when I say things like this, this very long event horizon of a decline of society. Because you're still in your house, because many of us still have swimming pools, because the roads are still largely open, because the cities are not completely burning to the ground, because it doesn't look like Mad Max, we all think, well, one day it's coming. It's here. You're standing in it. The disaster is upon you. Yes, it is. You live in a society now where your constitution has been literally flushed down the toilet. They might as well take it right out of the glass case that everybody goes and sits in front of and might as well genuflect the way they act towards it and flush it down the toilet, because it doesn't mean shit anymore. It doesn't mean a damn thing anymore. The government does whatever it wants to do completely, regardless of what the Constitution actually says. They'll pay lip service to it, but they just pay lip service as they wiggle around each and every word, and we're told, well, it doesn't really mean that. Oh, it's a living document subject to the interpretation of the people reading it at the time they're reading it. I I really don't think they put that in there. I, I really don't think that the Founders who signed the Constitution, put into the document, note, this Constitution means whatever it means to you at the time that you're reading it, based on your current culture and beliefs. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says, this is the way things are and shall be unless you amend it. And here's how you do that. And if you don't do that, it doesn't change. See, the whole living document is, is, is again, by our society... How the truth is used to sell a lie. The the Constitution is a living document. And it does evolve. Through the amendment process not subject to the will of the people at 51% majority, not subject to a Gallup poll, not subject to the whims of whatever Supreme Court justice gets appointed by the president. As the document is written, it is amended through the amendment process. And then there's these two little things, the Ninth and the 10th amendment, that tell us exactly what they meant, just in case we didn't figure it out from the Constitution and the first eight amendments. The ninth, which is almost never cited, even by the Liberty Movement, is the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. In other words, uh, just because we didn't say you had the right doesn't mean that you don't have the right. In other words, when they put together the Bill of Rights, there were people that didn't want to do it. There were people that said, hey, we're, we, we've, we've got this thing kind of sorted with the Constitution. There's, there's nothing in there that implies that the government can take away a right unless we give them the power to take away the right. If we do this, one day someone will say, well, it doesn't say you can't do that, so you can. Right? So they put the Ninth Amendment in there just to say, hey, 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 government, guess what? Just, just, just before you even try this. Just because we haven't specifically granted a right in the Constitution doesn't mean that right doesn't exist. We've specifically restricted you to everything we can think of up till now that we can get consensus on. But if we didn't say anything about it left, right, or or, or up or down, guess what? You don't get to do that. That's what the Ninth Amendment is. Very, very simple. And then the Tenth Amendment. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited to the states are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. This sounds complicated, but it's very, 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 very simple. The power is not delegated to the United States, which is the federal government, that is the United States, by the Constitution. If the Constitution doesn't say you can do it, okay, nor prohibited by it to the states. And what that means is, if the Constitution says government can't do something, the states can't do it. All right, um, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. And that means that if we don't say that the federal government can do something in the Constitution, the states and the people have the power over those decisions, unless the Constitution specifically says they can't do it either. In other words, the federal government is not given the power in the Constitution to take away guns, because it's protected under the Second Amendment. But I can't stand up and say, well, that power is reserved to me as the people, so I'm going to go take your gun away. I'm going to pass my own law against guns. Or I'm going to do it as a community or as a state and say you can't have a gun. Because it's prohibited. It's prohibited. So the Constitution is a document mostly of negatives, The government shall not, cannot, will not, and only will do basically these things. And here's what they have to do to be able to do them. It's ignored. You talk about a disaster. When the foundational document of a nation is ignored. When the document that your elected officials swear to uphold is ignored, you're living in a disaster. The economic outlook of this nation is a complete freaking disaster. They'll they'll do class warfare and tell you about the income gap and the poverty versus the middle class and it's all bullshit unless you are the truly affluent. The economic outlook of this nation is a freaking disaster long term. The economic outlook for the nation from a national security standpoint is a disaster. We owe more money than has ever existed in the history of the world. Not we have more money, we owe more money than has ever existed. If you put all the money that's ever existed in a pile, we could not pay off our debt with it. The money to pay off our debt doesn't even exist. It's a mind-boggling, impossible-to-repay number. We are not manufacturing dick-all. We have removed the value of work and the virtue of hard work from our citizens' vocabulary. We do not know as a people in general the value of hard work anymore. We have convinced people that hard work is studying in a book and learning to answer a frickin' answer correctly on a test. That is not hard work. I'm talking about wet work where you sweat. Both mentally and physically. We have made our children believe that that doing a job with a shovel is beneath them and for a lesser human being. That is the death nail of a nation. When the guy that runs a piece of heavy equipment or picks your food or runs a tractor is considered beneath beneath the average citizen the nation has gone off the cliff no more of this bullshit about well the republicans are going 45 degrees of the cliff at 60 miles an hour and the democrats are going nine we're over the cliff it's done we have gone over the cliff it's just getting steeper as you tumble down it like freaking homer simpson going do 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 you not get that? The the days that this nation that was really respected by the rest of the world have come and gone. We are a laughing stock to the world. Not because of how pathetic we've become, but because of how much we've squandered. And you know what? We did it. So if we're gonna fix it, we're gonna fix it. They're not gonna fix it. You know, the the, the irony is how easy it is to manipulate the American people. On either side of the debate. You know the easiest way to piss the American people off and convince them it's the Democrats or it's the Republicans or it's those select people in government? Rounding errors. Rounding errors are the tool of choice for the manipulation of the masses into froth anger about shit that doesn't mean anything. Recently, I had a bunch of you guys send me an article about how there's this legislation in place now to restrict how much money that we're spending to have picture, oil painted pictures of our congressmen and senators and cabinet members and president done. That they're spending over $100,000 a portrait and this new legislation would restrict it back down to like 20 grand or something like that and how outraged everybody should be that Nancy Pelosi or, uh, John Boehner or Harry Reid or, whom, or whoever is having their portrait done for this ridiculous absorbent amount of money? Yeah, it is a ridiculous absorbent amount of money. Yeah, if a congressman wants an oil portrait of themselves, let them pay for it out of their own pocket, or they don't get one. I agree, but do you know what? The the, the piddly amount of money in comparison to a deficit of one point seven trillion dollars, this is like, this is like a dumb parent who catches their kid. Committing some kind of a crime and the kid points to another kid who tied a knot in a girl's hair and the parent runs over and worries about the other sibling that tied a knot in Susie's hair. While Johnny snitched, but Johnny was out freaking cooking meth in the basement. When you worry about that. You're taking your eye off of what, and you're not gonna fix the other thing anyway, but God, don't be, don't be so easily led. It's like the American people have become like the bull with the ring in his nose. And whenever you get too close to figuring out what's going on, they just grab that ring and drag you over and pull it till your nose hurts. And then you get pissed off like a bull, you start stomping your feet and attacking a TV screen of people that don't give a shit how much you're mad as long as you watch the screen. Let me tell you why the government not only won't and can't but and will never fix our problems. I'll tell you, they can't. They're not capable of fixing the problem. Because the entire apparatus of government revolves around the need for government to exist, which revolves around the need for problems to exist. You're asking a government whose very existence is dependent upon your need for them, to fix things so that you no longer need them. A government solution must, by its very definition, be temporary and require a greater solution in the future to further propagate government. Every person in government is afraid of losing their job. Every single person in government fears losing their job because they've got it better than anybody else out there doing the equivalent job, save maybe the military. It's about the only place anymore where a government employee is not better off than a civilian employee. The civilian employee doing like private security work or contractor work uh, is definitely better off than a sergeant in the army. There's no doubt about that. But in every other place, especially at the federal level, man, you got it made once you're in. I got furloughed for three weeks during the shutdown. Oh, shut up. You also got all your back pay for not working. And you, some of you were sent to work to keep people out of national parks when they were shut down. That made sense. It's nonsense. It's nonsense that the government could ever fix the problems. And I'll tell you what, you wouldn't want them to if they could. And I'll tell you what, I know you're like, what? If you could have a government that was legitimately and totally honest about what they did and didn't covert with, with with Monsanto, and Conagra, and Bayer, and Pfizer, and Merck, and Chase. It would be better, but you still don't want them to be your solution. You still don't want them to be your solution, because you'll never get the solution you want. You'll get the solution that the largest majority of people agreed to, and it's never going to be what you want. The government should exist solely for the purpose of, of protecting individual rights, both from other individuals and from majorities. That's, that is the sole purpose of government. should be the protection of rights. And nothing more. So, yes, I'm okay from a minarchist point of view. If you steal from somebody, that there is a public sector component of government that says, you stole, we're going to go, and we're going to make sure that you actually did steal, and we're going to hand down a consequence to that. That's fine. But if you didn't steal anything, we don't need government. Until my fist impacts your nose, there's been no crime. It's a metaphor. There's other ways I can harm you other than that. But that's it. Now, there's people that say, we need roads and schools. And, and here's what I think. I do not believe we need government for roads and schools. I certainly wouldn't believe that government is more likely, you're, better, you're more likely to make a case for me with roads and schools. The thing about roads that makes them different is if I build a road that goes from one city to another, it's almost inconceivable that I actually own all of the property in between there. And it's almost inconceivable that I should. So when you look at roads and infrastructures, and you look at just a resources component to them, having three roads to go to the same place that are 10 feet apart from each other and all run by different people doesn't make a lot of logistical or resource sense. Roads, to me, are about travel and movement of a people. And I can understand the desire to make all roads usable by all individuals, on one form or another, in one shape or another. And I think that our solution to that is that most people that use roads use a car. And if you tax gas, which is a consumption tax, not a production tax, which I still don't like, but it's so much better than a production tax, that we could have roads. And because I'm willing to accept the fact that the system isn't going to change overnight anyway, I'll just give, anybody that says the government has to build roads, I'll just give it to you. Fine, build roads. Build roads, build build bridges, build overpasses, build tunnels. Take the money that you're stealing from the American people and put it into our infrastructure and make it the best world-class infrastructure in the world. Stop doing all this other bullshit you don't need to be doing. But that ain't going to happen. That isn't going to happen. What you have to understand but but fine, right? That's, but I would be I would take that deal. Schools, there's no need for government to run schools. None at all. If the government didn't run schools, there would be a plethora of schools to choose from. And yes, even the most poor among us would be able to go to schools. There would be scholarships, there would be charities be opportunities and there'd be a hell of a lot less poor people if the government wasn't running our schools, so there'd be a so, a so much fewer number of children that need the government to finance their education and even if that was the case, then fine. then why are we subsidizing everybody's education if it's just so every poor child could go to school? But my point with schools is it makes perfect sense to me there might be two schools a hundred yards apart. And I might want to send my kid to one of them, and you might want to send yours to the other one. And those schools can scale up and down unlike a road. The only real case you can make to me for something the government needs to be doing is the preservation and protection of individual rights and the enabling of commerce throughout a nation. And then from that point, the only other thing a federal government should do is look out over the look out over the borders and deal with other nations. That's it. That's pretty much how our Constitution was written. But it ain't going to happen. But it doesn't matter. If you don't agree with any of that, if you think that the government should fix, if you believe that a government can fix a problem, if you believe that we could have a magic wand and make a government of all Justin Amish's and Ron Paul, or if you're a, you're a socialist, all Nancy Pelosi's and Harry Reid, whatever you believe, fine. Let me tell you why it's still not going to happen. You need to learn the lesson of your destitute, drunken, dope-addicted uncle named Sam. This is your nation today. This is your government today. If you had a guy in your family, he was an uncle of yours, a real uncle named Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam comes to your house. Uncle Sam is penniless. He has no money. He only takes it from other members of the family. That's the only way he gets any money. He's never done a damn thing. In fact, he's done some good things in his life, but his good days are behind him. He used to be successful, but he's, he's just burned out. He got on dope, and he got an alcohol, and he, he's out doping and drinking every night to the point where he's totally penniless, and now he's subsisting off of other people. But when he gets money from your Uncle Steve, he gives it to your cousin Phil and says he's, he's doing something valuable. Right? So he keeps a little bit for his dope habit, but he gives a little bit to your cousin Steve. And when you need, he, he mediates within the family. That's the one function he pre- performs. He redistributes the family's wealth to takes a piece every time he does it. That's how he's surviving. He's sleeping on your couch. He kicks your dog. He eats all your food. He doesn't clean up after himself. And eventually his reckless behavior sets your house on fire. You go to an insurance company, and they're willing to pay for a new house. Would you put your Uncle Sam in charge of rebuilding your house? When you ask the government you currently have to fix the problems, that's what you're doing. You're asking a destructive, destitute, drunken, dope-addicted uncle who caused the problem to fix it. And you're actually expecting that it will work, it'll be okay, it'll work out. No, it won't. No, it won't. Uncle Sam needs to go to rehab. And he needs to work his own way through there. And until he does, he's not to be trusted. Sounds like government. At least the one we have right now. Even if you don't agree with my quote unquote extreme anarchist view. Right? And for some of you, I'm not extreme enough. The fact that a state could exist is horrible. Hey, look, we'll go to anarchism after we get to libertarianism. How about that? How about we get in the car and har- But just let that go. Again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You would never put that guy in charge of fixing the problem. Now, you might have a sense of justice. Well, he did it, so he should fix it. You, you might feel that way, but you still wouldn't trust him to do so. The truth is, you are your only answer. You are your only answer. There's nothing that's going to fix any of the misery, the unhappiness, the problems, the inequity, the lack of having things that you want, the, the, the poverty you're experiencing, whether it's monetary or spiritual or community poverty or it's just emotional poverty. Whatever you're missing in your life, you are the only one that's going to fix it. Whatever makes you angry, you are the only one that's going to fix it. And all of this crap about we're going to just do it on our own with, with, from a standpoint of just, let's, just make government smaller, let's make it go away, let's get rid of these programs, let's cut people off, you know what we're doing? We're being very stupid with that attitude. If somebody came to me and said, Jack, you can push a button that will lead to a long series of, of government retraction shutting down over time and becoming very, 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 very small. Maybe not even as small as you want it, sir, but much, much smaller than it is today. It'll take 20 years, but it's a guaranteed. that if all you do is push this button, this government will start unwinding. And at that point, the people of this nation will either have to realize the gift that they've been given and be good stewards of it, or if they're going to screw it up again, it's up to them. They're going to have to take the opportunity or squander it yet again. Would you push that button? Beep, immediately. But if you said, Jack, you could push a button, and 80% of the government will be eliminated tomorrow morning, I would never push that button. Because if we did it by the tomorrow morning, you would see death and destruction and mayhem and misery like you've never experienced before in your life. We have to decouple. And we have to fight for every step of decoupling along the way. But those that just say, well, let's just do it. Even the concept of let's just start taking these programs apart, disassembling them, throw them away. This country's not ready for it. We're weak. We're fat. We're lazy. We're out of shape. We are drug addicted ourselves, both illegal and legal drugs. We're eating a terrible diet. We we need to learn from boxers and mixed martial arts fighters. There's 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 something here. Don't don't think I'm going going off the deep end of the reservation. Well, an MMA fighter or a boxer trains all the time. If they're you know a professional or even even a decent amateur, they train daily. They're always conditioning. They're always working out. They they pay attention to what they eat. They pay attention to how they think. They're ready to fight every day. But when they're going to fight someone that says tougher, tougher than they are in a match, they go through a a, a training camp. And it's when I've looked up anywhere from some, some people two weeks that are really already in great shape to as long as six months in between fights. They study their opponent, they increase their conditioning, they watch their weight. They adjust their diet. They see how they respond. They push to lift more. They push to run faster. They push for more strength, more explosions. And then and only then they climb into the ring and they face their opponent. Many people in our nation today are wanting to climb in the ring with the government. Just from a standpoint of disassembling the monstrosity that needs to be disassembled. And you haven't even jumped the rope once. You're completely out of shape. And I don't just mean physically. Physically. I mean, from a standpoint of your responsibility for yourself and your own needs. There are people calling for this that don't realize they're as dependent on government as the person on food stamps. They just don't understand how they're dependent on government. Well, I have my own business. Well, what do you do? Well, I do this. And it turns out that they're a supplier to a supplier to a government contracting agency. They never even begin to think, well, what would happen if this contract Lockheed has was rescinded? I'm not saying that it shouldn't be. I'm just saying the guy calling for it hasn't thought about it. Well, then the supplier that I'm supplying, that's their main customer, and I wouldn't have any, I'd have to go out and find business, while everybody else that was already in this business is now short on business, and they don't even realize it. There's no diversity. There's no redundancy. There's no resiliency. And the same person that's doing that, that's working hard, that's done a good job, has no savings. Even though they're self-employed, they're still, quote-unquote, living paycheck to paycheck. We have so much of that. There's no training that's been done. We haven't we haven't learned how to think, to act, to be, to do. We've forgotten these things. And this is the important thing to understand. You can be saying, well, I'm already off-grid, Jacka. I'm beyond you. I'm producing 70% of my own food or more, and I could be okay without the 30% that I take as a luxury for a long damn time. I don't need that much money, and I have a lot of it saved up. I've got gold and silver. I've got guns and ammo. I've got beans and bandits, I've got it all. I don't need it. The problem is that unlike the MMA fighter or the boxer that can train individually, the nation is not one individual. It's 300 million plus individuals. And if you think that anywhere from sea to shining sea, You're truly going to be safe, stable, secure, and happy. While the majority of Americans are not, you are only fooling yourself. So when I say that we are out of shape, that we haven't trained, that we're not ready for the fight, I am then not talking about this community or even the larger prepper, libertarian, anarchist community. Or even the larger still community of at least constitutional conservative values. Especially the people with the conservative values that understand that's their value. They don't get the right to impose them on others. I'm talking about all of us. The vast majority of us. All the people that you just want to write off that you think aren't necessary. You have no idea. How important it is that they get into shape too, but they're not going to do it just yet. So that leaves you and you alone to start training, to get ready for the fight, to be an example. You know, it is kind of like you're, you're, you're working on your arm curls and you're building up your biceps and your chest muscles and you got little bitty bird legs. You ever see like a guy that works out in the gym like that? He's so just in front of the mirror and I don't want to be tough. I'm walking around. And if the guy wears shorts, you look at him and go. (laughs) <laughs> you look tough heavy like a friggin' Weeble, dude. I could just shove you over, like, what do you call it, up uh, when I'm punching back things or whatever. Like an upside-down bowling pin. You know, <laughs> you just think, and you'll go over. It is kind of like that, to a degree. Because no matter how well you train for this battle... You know, it's another person that's part of the body that is the nation is eating ho-hos and ding-dongs and lays potato chips and living on food stamps and all the things that make us unhealthy and taking Prozac or whatever it is and watching garbage on TV, feeding themselves the most toxic chemicals, the most toxic food, and the most toxic information possible because that's what the system's putting out. They, again, think about this. The system you're asking to fix the problems is giving you the most toxic information, the most divisive information you can get, the most toxic food, the most abundantly overused pharmaceutical toxins of all times. And they're giving you all of this and saying this is good for you, and you're turning to them and going, please fix it. Good luck. So it is just you. But this is what people that know what I teach about community would say when they hear that. But what about community, Jack? We can't be in it all alone. And we can't. But it starts with you. Because here's the difference between a community that's by choice, a voluntary community and a government-imposed community. Government-imposed community says we are all Americans and we will divide our community up on income bracket. And if you are below a certain income, you are entitled to certain things. And if you are above a certain income, you are responsible to provide for certain things. There's nothing voluntary about that, at all. And because of that, you can be happy and okay as a hardworking individual or often happy and okay as a slug and either way, the community will function the way the overlord dictates and only so much of individual action will ever matter. Understand, the system set up to mitigate individual action. Yeah, if you work harder you get further. I have no doubt about that. But do you get as far as you could? And if you don't work at all, you continue to exist at the at the expense of others in your community that you've been forced into that you and they have both been forced into. In a real community, a true community, a voluntary community, community of neighbors and friends and people that choose to associate, if you're a slug that's not training for the fight and everybody's fixing to climb into the ring, they don't hold the ropes for you when you get in. They don't help you in. In fact, they just assume you not come along because you're going to get in the way. So the only way community works is to start with you being your own answer first. People in a community, a voluntary community, help most those who try most, those who contribute most, those who do most. And when it comes down to a standpoint of really picking someone up and carrying them, they'll do it when they know that person really needs it, not when they just don't feel like walking. You see it all the time with parents. They're smart enough to do it with their kids. little kid who could walk goes, I'm tired. I don't want to walk anymore. I'm tired. Carry me. And the smart parent goes, you're just fine. But yet when that kid really is completely worn out because the long legs travel further faster than the small legs, then that parent picks up that child and carries them. But the wise parent pushes that kiddo to go a little further every day because one day they might have to pick somebody up and carry them. This is how community works. If it doesn't start with you, there is no community around you. So what do you do? It's about taking responsibility and not the nonsensical way our government says to take responsibility. Take responsibility to the government means the following. Shut the hell up. Do what we say and do whatever it is that you do as good as you possibly can. And that means if you are a hardworking American, yes, we want you to continue to do your job hard. But if you are a leech on the system, continue to be an effective leech. That is the government's version of taking responsibility. Do what we say. When they say parents take responsibility for your children's education, they don't mean it. That would mean, hey... Sit down, son. We're going to go over some things and learn some stuff. No. That means that when your kid comes home with bullshit from school that tells them something, reinforce the bullshit and make sure they do what they're told by the school. That's not being responsible for your children's education. It's being responsible for their grade point average. Let me say that again. Doing exactly what the school says and only what the school says and making your kids do their homework, etc., is not being responsible for their education. It's being responsible for their grade point average. Sorry, my blood boils about that one. It really does. It's about taking responsibility, first for yourself, then for your children and your family and your community. But first for yourself. You cannot take responsibility for anybody else, no matter how much you love and care about them, no matter how much you want good things for them. You cannot take responsibility for them if you're not yet responsible for yourself. It's not selfish. It's selfless. Anyway. First thing, take responsibility for your food. Stop the bullshit about I can't afford to eat healthy. You can afford to eat healthier. Wherever you are in the spectrum, if you're not making a conscious effort for your own health in your own food supply, you could be doing better. You may not be doing the best. You may not be all permaculture, localvore, organic, perfect food. I understand that. But you could be doing more. 99% of Americans could be easily, without spending any more money, eating healthier. Er, with an E-R, er, got it? Eat healthier. Take responsibility. Grow something of your own. I'm in an apartment. Grow herbs in a pot on your freaking patio. Find a place you can grow something. Grow some of your own food and have a goal to get somewhere where you can do at least some of it at a little bit more of a level. But take responsibility for your food, including storing food. Including storing food. Listen, we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to stand or kneel. I've said that before. We are going to, as a people, with our government, we will have to either stand in the face of their tyranny and say, you will not go any further. You have gone as far as we as a people are willing to allow you to go. There shall be no more. Or we will have to kneel and accept yet more infringement. And we will get to a critical point Where once we go over it, we are into total, complete tyranny. No longer a velvet glove soft tyranny, but a hard, metal-fisted, right-in-the-ass tyranny. That's where we're headed. And we will get to that point, and we will have to stand. And if you cannot feed yourself, when that day comes, you will kneel. No matter how much it sickens you. And if it is your children that will starve, you will kneel faster. So we must, as a people, take responsibility for our own food. But until others do, you must do for yourself. You must take responsibility for your health. Food is a part of that, yes. But get off your ass. If you work a job where you sit in a chair for eight hours a day, at least once every 30 minutes, just stand the hell up. Park your car in the back of the parking lot instead of the front of the parking lot. You know what? The one thing that sucks in the summer is ha- having a hot car. Most of the trees and little shade spots you can find in a parking lot are as far away as possible. At least the ones that are available. Park there so you can take a long walk in the afternoon but not have your car blazing hot. Stack functions. When it lunchtime comes, don't go sit in the cafeteria. Go somewhere. Take a walk. You don't need an hour. You don't even need a half hour to eat. Go do something. Some people say, well, I work physically hard at work. Take a walk anyway. It'll be better for you than sitting around. If you, if you work with people who are fully indoctrinated to the system and you spend your lunch hour with them, you are spending five hours a week furthering your own indoctrination. Go somewhere. Do something. Do something meaningful. Drive to a nearby mall and walk around the mall. Sure, it's full of consumerism, but just get your mind out of where you're at for that period of time. Do something physical. That's part of your health. Take a walk three or four times a week. Go to a park. I don't care where you go. Walk. It's one of the best things you can do for your health. Never take a medication that your doctor recommends for you without first asking the question, And when am I going to get off of this medication? When will I stop taking this medication? And when they say never, really think about it before you start taking it. Always try diets and lifestyle adjustments. The next time you have tension headaches, pay, save some money so you have the money so you can't whine and tell me you can't do it. And when you're dealing with migraines, instead of taking drugs, go get a massage twice a week for a few weeks. It's a lot better therapy. But the government should pay for that. No, they shouldn't. You should. You should. It's your headache. It's your lifestyle generating that headache. Try a different solution. Fund it yourself. Take responsibility for your own health. Exercise and eat well, whatever that means for you. I've, I've gone on enough in, the, in my career about why I think paleo is the way to be. But I'll tell you what, just about anything that pays attention to what you're putting in your mouth and avoids processed foods is a thousand times better than a typical American diet. Take responsibility for your education. Before even your children's, take responsibility for your education. How can you teach what you don't know? Stop being told what you need to know. Stop being told what you need to learn. Ask your own questions and find your own answers. This is a magical invention. It's new. It's only been around for a little while. It's called freaking the Internet. And there is information available on demand for any question that you have. Not necessarily every time you look for it, you'll find all the answers, but you'll get some understanding of your questions. Instead, what we do is we sit around and we're told what our questions are. That's how you program somebody, folks. What do most Americans do throughout their day as far as how they're educated? And understand, education is not just school. It's all information that's put into your, your mind, processed, retained, and used to deduce further information. Can we redefine education with that way right now? All information, taking into your mind, processed and used to deduce additional information and to understand and interpret additional information. That's what education really is. So you might learn how to carve, and then when you carve a different type of wood... You feel that it's different, so you use what you already know to interpret this new way this wood particularly carves, and you adapt to carving a harder or softer piece of wood. Right? That's education. So, education is all the information that goes into your brain and is processed to make decisions and deduce other information. Somebody quote that for me, please. Put that somewhere. I certainly didn't plan that when I started today, but I think that's pretty good. Because then it changes, and you understand the TV commercials are educational. What? That can't be true. Yes, it is. It's information that goes into your mind. It's processed and used to deduce further information. Now, whether or not that education is positive or negative is up to you. It could be these people are freaking jerks. These people are idiots. These people think I'm stupid. I'm not doing business with them, then it's a positive educational experience. We're gonna be uh, I want to have a phone like Paris, Paris Hilton has or I want to have a butt like Chloe Kardashian or whatever. and then it's a negative educational experience, but still educational. It's what you're learning that makes it, it's that you're learning that makes something educational. And you can learn to be stupid. You can learn to be ignorant. You can learn to be compliant. You can learn to be complacent. And by golly, the system depends on you doing that. So now if we redefine that, we can examine the typical American's day and their education. The typical typical American gets out of bed, yawns, and hits the alarm clock and is pissed that they have to get up. They've already begun the negative programming that, hey, I don't really want to do what I have to do, but i got to do it because somebody said so. i got to keep a roof over the head and food on the table, and there's no other way, and this is the best I can do, so I'm going to go off to this job that I hate. They shit, shower, and shave, or whatever it is they do. But somewhere along the line, they either turn the radio or the TV on to, dun-dun-dun, the news, where the news begins. It might be sports news. It might be regular news. No matter what you're listening to, though— I just about guarantee you that regular news is put in there. So while they're getting ready to go do something they don't want to do, they are having their education about the way the world is, taught to them by people who make a living keeping them where they are. Those pieces of news tell you this is what question you have, and here is the answer to that question from one or another point of view left or right they either hear the left point of view and they migrate to the right or vice versa or they hear the point of view they have and they reinforces it but either way the liberal listening to the conservative Fox News which I think is far from conservative but for many liberals it seems that way actually has their liberalism reinforced right the conservative that's listening to MSNBC for whatever reason is having their conservative, in fact, that's why they're listening to it. The people that listen to stuff they disagree with do so solely for the purpose of reinforcing that the other side is wrong. So that's their education. Then they get in their car, as I call it, their mobile metal coffin, they fire it up and they convince themselves, this is the best car that I can afford, and either it means I'm shit or it means I'm the shit. It's either it's a jalopy and that means my life sucks and one day maybe it won't suck, but the guy next to me that has the car I want, he's a jerk. So that's part of their education. Or they're like, I have a Mercedes because it's the funnest automobile available. And this means that I am superior and better, even though I am also going to a place that sucks that I hate. So that's part of their educational experience. And they get in their car and unless they're listening to some crazy maniac like me, they turn on dun 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 AM or FM radio which is either music and they're jamming as they're going down the road trying to escape the reality, which has some therapeutic value in it, as long as the music's not reinforcing the same bullshit, which much of it does today. But even on those stations, at the top of the hour, we'd like to tell you the traffic. Your life sucks. You're on the road, and your life sucks because you're going to be stuck at this interchange. You might be late for work, and your boss will punch you in the face when you get there. Or the traffic sucks. You're on your way home to see your kids. You won't be seeing them when you promise them because your life sucks, cause there's, so there's that. And then there's, in the news today... You know, Barack Obama said this, and so-and-so said that, and so-and-so did. Or they tune in to talk radio, where they have their paradigm reinforced as either right or wrong based on what they choose. The liberal chooses to listen to Rush Limbaugh so they can be convinced that Limbaugh and all people like him are idiots. Or the conservative chooses to Rush Limbaugh to be convinced that they're right and to stay the course. And that programming goes in with them both directions in the mobile metal coffin all day long. At work, they find a social group that they can most tolerate and listen to them regurgitate the same crap, whether it's about how important it is that a certain sports team win on a certain day, or how important it is a certain ass clown win a certain election. That's part of their educational paradigm and process. After they go through the car experience on the way home, they have their children come to them and show them the things that they're learning in school and try to help them learn many things that they know those children will never use. They are forced to lie to their children and say, yes, Johnny, you need to know this calculus. It will be important someday, even though they know that they're lying. They will discuss how their life isn't quite what they were looking for with their spouses, they will watch TV, probably the news. Again, if nothing else, they'll have news segments in there. All the while, they'll be on their Facebook and their Blackberry or Facebook and their Twitter accounts, mostly sharing the same or similar information. Again, all of these tools can be used for good. They're just generally not. And the education will be reinforced that this is the way things are. This is the way they're supposed to be. This is the best we can do. The other side's wrong. It's the other side's fault. If they just saw it our way, things would be better. One day they can be better. But for now, you got to just keep fighting. Yay! That's your education. I mean, I didn't even go into the schools because the schools are a complete disaster in and of themselves. Schools teach conformity. Schools are not designed to educate. Education is about teaching people to learn. Schools are designed to breed conformity. Everybody sit in the desk in a nice straight line. Put your head down and take a nap when you're told. Be on time or you're in trouble. Learn at the same speed as the person next to you, even if the person next to you is a freaking moron. It's fair. It's fair. It's fair that Johnny is a dumbass and that Timmy is smart and Timmy has to slow down his learning unless Timmy goes into a special place for the accelerated gifted child where he will work harder and get the same. Sounds like work to me. When I say work, I don't mean work like noble work. I mean like employment The condition to believe that those who actually do work by the sweat of the brow are the failures of society and that you need to go to a magical place called college. And when you graduate from college and the unicorn comes out and farts this wonderful thing called a degree into your magical hands, you will go out and the world will embrace you. And you will have a great job making lots of money Well, you will end up just like the parent that just had the experience I previously described in your mobile metal coffin going to a job that you hate to have. Your paradigm's reinforced by those who either you veh- vehemently disagree with or those who you absolutely agree with. That is the education of America. And that is the education that is not in our school system. That is the ongoing, continuous education of society that is put in place specifically to program society into compliance. And the only way to break the cycle is not to turn it all off and look away the other direction. It's to simply start asking, what do I really want to know? What do I really want to know? What do I want to know how to do? What do I want to know how to be? Why am I told this, but yet I don't believe it? Instead of just listening to the direct opposition to it, research it, investigate it, determine for yourself. What would I do if I was in charge? And gee, I'm not, but I am in charge of me, so I'll do it for myself. When I say take responsibility for your own education, that's how deep I'm going. Don't believe anything anybody says, including me. When I say something and you don't agree with me, fine. Fine. You can, you can waste your energy trying to convince me that I am wrong when I have found a way to live my life that makes me frickin' fantastic, out of my head, slap myself silly, happy, and think that's gonna work. Or you can say, since I don't agree with Jack about this, this is what it means to me. If you're going to spend your days trying to convince me that I'm wrong about the things that have made my life wonderful, you are wasting my time and yours. And that's why I'm not going to pay attention. Because I don't control you, but I control me. But if you're going to spend your time figuring out, I agree, I agree, I disagree, I disagree, I agree, I disagree. Why I mean all that for myself. And this is how I'll live my life because this is how I feel that you might just become shit over your brains happy too. You might be angry at what other people are doing in your nation or to your other people in your community at times, but you might actually be able to get in the freaking ring and do something about it. You might be able to come out swinging instead of being out of shape or feeling completely disempowered. And you'll also know at times, that's not my fight. I only have so much energy. I can only take on so many people. The best fighter in the world, MMA, boxing, martial arts, whatever, can't take on everybody at the same time, Kenny. You take the world champion in any any combat art and say, this is what we want you to do. We want you to fight the top ten contenders for the title. And he goes, that sounds cool. That sounds like a really great promotion. Okay, so I'll be training for like, what, uh, eight, ten weeks in between each bout, and we'll start out with like the number ten contender and work our way up, and this will be over like several years. We'll make a shitload of money. I could lose, but hey. What a challenge you take! And they go, no, 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 I'm like, no, 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 no. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get in the ring and the 10 contenders are going to all fight you. And if they win, they all become the champion and you lose. If you try to fight too many battles, even noble fights, that's what you're doing. You can't win that way. You have to pick your battles and pick your fights. And if you are picking battles, and you are picking fights, and you are doing well in them for yourself and for others, you'll realize that it's okay to say, I can't do it all. Most people instead feel like they should do it all and end up doing nothing. And they walk around with tremendous guilt. The guilt turns to anger, and the anger turns to blame. Fight your battle first for yourself your own sanity, your own health, your own education. And then fight for your family. And then fight for the members of your immediate neighborhood that want to be fought for. And ignore those that are not ready yet. And fight for the community that forms around you, because one will. That's not necessarily based on just geographic proximity. And if you've done all of that, and you still have less than something to give, then pick another battle. But fight those battles first. It will do more. It will do more than making 10,000 phone calls in the next election cycle to get your ass clan elected. It will do a lot more. I think we need to take responsibility for our own waste. And not in the hippie yippie we're destroying the Earth earthway, but we are. But... If you're going to say we don't need government to fix our problems, what about all that shit you throw away every week, figuratively and literally? You know, as I'm looking at building the permanent ethos community, I'm thinking about how do we do things differently? And I think, you know, okay, we got 100, 120 households, it's a lot of waste. How do we deal with, you know, garbage disposal? How much government does that bring in when you're saying like each person needs or you put in a big commercial dumpster and everybody has to bring their, all of a sudden you're bringing in like you're advertising. Here we are. So how do we set not compulsory policy, but policy that's so logical that the community follows it and we minimize our waste there? You know, and people say, well, we need to do this, and we need to do that. And this person over here, what about you? What about you? You know, minimizing your waste will pay off, and a shit hit the fan. Because one, you'll get efficient at using what you have. And two, you won't be like, well, the snow came, and I've got 400 tons of garbage in my front yard, stinking and rotten, attracting animals. Take responsibility for our own waste. Take responsibility for our own energy. You know, I, I covered yesterday how Arizona power companies want people that are selling them solar power from their solar arrays that are grid tied to, you know, be responsible for maintaining the grid. Ugh. If you're that good at generating solar power, why are you tied to the grid? If you're actually selling the grid power, not occasionally. Not, well, I sell them power here and I buy power there and I sell them here and I buy there. And in the end, my bill's low, right? Then you're tied to the grid. You're subject to what the grid dictates. If you're actually net positive back there, why are you connected at all? Well, I get some money. What? 10 bucks? 15 bucks? What's your freedom worth? If you're that good at generating solar in the way you're living, you shouldn't be grid tied. You should be standalone. Seriously. And the truth is, most people bitching about it aren't. But at least they're doing something. The best way to take responsibility for your own energy is to begin first by conserving what you use. Not to save a polar bear, because it makes sense for you. So cut all the waste, and then focus on production. But at least think about it. But you know what, above all, if I had to sum it all up, I would say this, do shit. Do shit and never apologize for doing good shit. Do what's right, do it, do it, do it, it. figure it out, try it, fail, pick your ass up, do it again, get it right, Do do it, do it, do it. Plant a tree, plant another one. You think I want chickens? Get chickens. Start growing your own eggs. Give them to your neighbors. Somebody comes after you, fight the fight. Win or lose. Fight. Get in shape before the fight. Know every way you're going to jab, stick, and move against your opponent. That's somebody in cover with MMA fighters. Right? That's why I say it's not real. It is, but it's not real like real street combat. you got two guys going against each other. Not only are they trained, me and my trainer are going to sit down and look at my opponent. And go, when he's confronted this way, he responds that way. Here's his weaknesses. He seems like he has a little bit of a vision problem. And the peripheral was left by. How can I capitalize on that? He tends to get off. And his guy's doing the same thing. You're going to fight? Know your opponent. Know what your opponent's going to do before they do it. And be prepared to counter before you have to. Have the counter play in place. That's part of doing good shit and not apologizing for it. I hate... The phrase, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Because you ask for forgiveness when you've done something wrong. And most of the time when that phrase is used, what the person's doing isn't wrong. It's just in opposition to the status quo. Don't apologize for doing that which is good. Be defiant. Be smart. Don't be stupid. Don't end up in prison. Don't end up losing your home. Don't end up bankrupt. Figure out how to strategically fight. Pick those battles. And sometimes that means this is not the location to fight. Generals that win battles choose the location of the battle. The time and the location and how the battle will begin are the key indicators to how the battle will end. If you're sitting in the middle of an HOA, surrounded by blue-haired old ladies, and when you moved there, you thought that was good, and you had a paradigm-shifting moment to realize the people around you are freaking nuts, move. Well, it's hard to sell my house. It's hard to do a lot of shit. You know, it's hard to do a lot of things. And seldom is anything worth doing easy. At least at first. If I had a dollar for everything, well, that's hard. Well, that's hard. Good. That means not everybody can do it, so you won't have a lot of people bumping into your ass while you're getting it done. You want easy? I'll give you easy. Quit. Stop working. Get on every assistance program you can find. Lay around on your ass and don't do anything. That's easy. That's easy. It'll be a lot of people getting in your way on the way to get it done. The thing about things that are hard is the harder they are, The more they rely on just you, the less they rely on somebody else, and the more direct impact you have over getting them done. Because every time a degree of difficulty increases, less people take the challenge. Put it to you this way. In Montana, when I was in Helena, there was a place called Mount Helena, named for the city. Pretty nice mountain. Pretty good steep hike to the top of the mountain. I got a bottle of water, drove up to this little city park, was there for an extra day, and said, I'll go to the top. I hiked to the top, I hiked to the bottom, sucked a little wind, dealt with a little bit of thin air, but I did it. It wasn't a big deal. I saw lots of other people doing it halfway, three-quarters of the way, and all the way, and some people just walking around the bottom. But there were a lot of people going up and down this mountain, on like a Tuesday in the middle of the week. I'm sure over a year, my accomplishment is meaningless because millions of people, not millions, probably tens of thousands of people a year probably hike to the top of Mount Helena and back down. Nice clear path, clearly marked, easy. How many people have hiked to the top of Everest? How many people have even hiked halfway up? How many people have even been to base camp? Why? It's harder. And because it's harder, there's less people to get in your way. Yeah, the mountain's tougher. The path is tougher, but the crowd is thinner. So it's all on you. It's all on you. And most things that are hard, that's how they work out. And the big thing I want you to understand, in all the years I've been doing this show, I've been trying to say this over and over again, and it it bears repeating now, especially as we're getting toward the end of another year. And New Year's resolutions and all that other stuff's going to start. Act because you want to, not due to fear. Build a better life because it's what you want. Not because you're afraid that your way of life is in jeopardy. It is. If you're coasting along the way most Americans are, if you're out of shape the way most of Americans are, and I don't mean just physically, I mean emotionally, spiritually, financially. If you're at your life is extremely in jeopardy. Of it just staying the way it is and being okay. And and 20 years from now, having the same stuff you have or more. It's totally in jeopardy. That's still not why you should act. There'll be a shitload of unhealthy, unhappy people with you in that boat, coasting along, making do somehow 20 years from now. If you stay there, don't act in fear. Act because you want something more. Fear is a short-term motivator. If I make you afraid enough, you might run faster than you ever had before and get away from a predator. But if that pursuit lasts too long, you will either reach a point of fatigue or adrenaline will push you to a point where you can't function anymore. That high can only last so long out of fear. And once the fear subsides, the action will cease. So you'll run away from the predator, but once you get up on top of something where you know the predator can't get you, you'll, you'll stop. Hopefully then you'll think, well, how do I get down? But if you don't have to get down, you're out of a pit, let's say, you go back to life in general. And you have to, because if you stay motivated by fear, it's stress and it will kill you. The biggest killer in the world is not guns or even cars, it's stress. And you can stress any being, any entity, any life form, you can stress it to death. Death. So you can't act in fear, because it's only short-term motivation. If it's what wakes you up and gets you moving, fine. But at some point, you have to just start saying, well, what is it that I want? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to do? What do I want to be? What's my fault? I mean, the average American adult... American, 25 to 35 years of age, that sits and looks at their life and you're not just over your head happy with what you have, if you make a list of things that is not my fault and it doesn't at least fill up an entire page of paper, you're not being honest with yourself. That doesn't mean that you're an evil, vile, terrible person that's stupid and moronic. It just means that there's many things in your life that if you could go back and make a better decision, you'd be further along to where you want to be. And all those things, dun-dun-dun, are your fault. Yes, let's play It's My Fault today. Instead, we have an, an America that says it's never my fault. It's not my fault. Someone else did it to me. If somebody else did this is bullshit thinking. It's my fault. I got evicted from my home because I didn't pay my mortgage and it's my fault. No, the bank lied, and I had an adjustable mortgage, and then the financial collapse hit, and I didn't have enough money left in my savings to pay it off, and I lost my job. And if I would have lost my job, I still would have been able to get by, and I paid my bills, and it's not my fault. There was nothing else I could have done. There probably is. What i am even going to tell you? If that's you, you figure out what you could have done differently to be in a better position than you are. And that, at least, that piece is your fault. Does that mean that there's nothing anybody else did to make you miserable? Hell, the world is full of people figuring out what to do tomorrow to make you miserable. That will always be the case, but you don't control them. You control yourself and how you respond to them. You know, if you can't think of a lot of things in your life that are your fault, you are lying to yourself. And you're never going to make your life better. And you're never going to be a modern survivalist. And you're never going to thrive in a collapse. The strongest people I know have no problem admitting their mistakes, saying what was their fault, and committing to doing better. The strongest, most successful people I know have a life littered with failures. And will make mistakes and have failures in the future. They'll have things that fall flat on their ass and they'll be like, okay, that was my fault. Let's see what we can do next. They'll never say it's okay. But they'll accept it and move on. There's a difference. There's what I call the lemonade crowd. The lemonade crowd says, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. First, it predisposes there's something wrong with lemons. (laughs) Well, let's take the metaphor for what it is. Basically, that that saying could be changed to, when life hands you shit, make a shit sandwich. Put it between some bread and make it taste a little better. I say when life hands you shit, sling it back at life and go kick ass. and Do something about it. One of my favorite people from the world of sports is Michael Jordan. And his famous quote, he says he has failed over and over and over again. And that is why he succeeds. But you notice one thing he calls it? He calls failure, failure. He doesn't call it mistakes. calls it failure. calls it what it is. A failure. I failed. That means it's not okay. But it's going to be okay. Do good shit and never apologize for it. Act because you want to, not due to fear. If you think I'm ranting today, sorry. Sometimes we need to stop and we need to really think about this. If you feel like I'm yelling at you today, well, I'm not, but I might be. If if I said some things today that really pissed you off, again, first of all, don't believe me. Investigate for yourself and decide based on what you find out, what you really believe for yourself. But I'll tell you what pisses a person off. If a person... Let's say they're an athlete, and they're doing something, a pitcher, is making a mistake in their pitching. that's making them vulnerable. And because of that, they're getting a lot more hits than they should be, and a lot less strikes than they should. And a coach tells them they're doing it wrong, and what the, and says, this is what you're doing. This is where your mistake lies. If they're not open to the coaching, it makes them very upset if they know the coach is right but don't want to accept it. That makes them very upset. So if if anything I said to you really stuck you today, maybe it's that foot is not in the right position when you're letting go of the ball. Or maybe it is, and you just haven't figured out how to leverage it. So you need to make the adjustment for yourself, even if what I said that pissed you off isn't necessarily what you need to change, but you need to make other adjustments around it to make that pivot point work for you. Whatever it is, if, if I really irked you today, There's some work to be done there. And you can't take it personally because I don't know you. And when I did today's show, I wasn't thinking of any single individual. So if you've ever had an email exchange with me or a comment exchange with me and you think that this show's about you, lose your your, uh, ego, man, because I don't have anybody in mind today, especially when I'm being hard on people other than myself. Everything I said today applies to me. Everything I said today applies to me. Even all the things I'm doing well today, I could do better. And it's my job to, to keep trying to do better. And at least know that it can be done and accept that. It, everything that I said about having your, 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 your attitude reinforced by people who agree or disagree with you and actually seeking out those things so that you can just reinforce it rather than actually dig deep applies to me. Because I'm a human being. There's no cure for these problems, there's only treatment. There's only treatment to live the best, most fulfilling life you can and be as resilient as you can and be as dynamic as you can and be as engaging as you can and live for as much liberty as you can. That's all there is. And with that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.